You're listening to the Coventry Sphinx podcast. You can follow the fortunes of our football club on Twitter, where we're at Coventry Sphinx or at commentarysphinx.co.uk. If you like the show, please take a moment to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a rating or a review. For more podcasts from Sphinx Football, visit sphinxfootball.com. Welcome to the very first episode of the Coventry Sphinx podcast, which is dedicated to the memory of Seb Patrick. My name's Chris Nee, I'm the editor of the Matchday programme at Coventry Sphinx Football Club, and I make podcasts, so it doesn't take too much of an effort to connect the dots from there. This is the official podcast of Coventry Sphinx Football Club. For the uninitiated, we're a ninth tier football club based in the city of Coventry, and we play in the Premier Division of the Midland Football League. In this weekly podcast, I hope, I'll be trying to shine a light on how clubs like ours work, and naturally I'll keep you up to date with what's happening on the pitch as well. I've persuaded Sean Thomas, who's one of our joint managers along with John Woodward, to join me to cover all of those bases. And that's where we start. A couple of days before our first pre-season friendly, Sean and I sat in the Willie Nibs Memorial Stand at Sphinx Drive to talk about his unusual preparations for the new season. And of course, I began by asking him about the unavoidable issue that's affected us all, regardless of football. COVID-19 has obviously affected football everywhere, but it's affected non-league in its own sort of way. So what I wanted to start with for our first ever podcast chat really was how... Has it affected your sort of day to day through what should have been a summer of football? What's what's different? What what's moved to different dates and what's made it difficult? So it's um, obviously been a protracted now four months of uncertainty. So um, from being in the uh, the midst of a season where everything comes a hundred mile an hour, it just stopped um, overnight, which was the right thing to do, and um, we had to just follow everything that was given to us by the government, and so. Um, as we've moved through the last couple of months, I think we've had different periods where we've been really hopeful that we're getting closer to starting football again. And there was a couple of periods where we thought we were miles away as well. So um, it took a lot of um, chats on the WhatsApp and just keeping in touch with the players because you lose that uh, weekly face-to-face contact. Um, as we've moved into this last, I'd say about month and a half, we've started to really make some concrete plans. But even then, they've swapped and changed um, twice over. So and things such as training had to be pushed back and then we started and it was non-contact um, and then things such as the pre-season friendlies have now been moved backwards um, twice in themselves so it's just taken a lot of organising and planning and um, the people around the club have been excellent. The training's been really interesting I've watched a few of the training sessions and it's, it's gone week by week by week it started to look a little bit more like a like a football team preparing for its for its new season. Those first couple of weeks we knew broadly how it had to work for you as a coach, what changed about how you planned? I say, was it all the way back to the drawing board and just coming up with, with sessions that were totally different? Yeah, so um, it was a real challenge, if I'm really honest. It was most probably the toughest sessions that we've had to plan because um, football, as we know it in senior football, um, the element of contact, the um, competition, things like that was, was a real challenge to feed into the sessions. We had to strip it right back to five players and one coach. Um, and it's how do you build that intensity? How do you get the enjoyment into it with being in your little social bubble. Uh, as a coach, the planning around that was actually more extensive than what you do because, I mean, you've always got a game to fall back on as a coach if you if it's not going um, 100% to plan or you feel is it a tempo's dropping, you can always speed it up through the actual play, playing of a game or uh, a small-sided game or drill. So the sessions were were really just really challenging to do. I, I think we've really had to overcome some of the challenges with that. We're a small staff team. Um, and how that looked. So every player got the same amount of attention, same amount of time spent on them. 
Um, but yeah, we all managed to pull together really well in the end and um, we got through those times and we think we feel better coaches for it. The last game here was on the 14th of March against Long Eaton United. And I think we, we all started to have the feeling around that point that we might be at the last at the last game. So it was almost overnight, but I think we saw saw it coming. I don't know if we, we thought that it would have quite the impact on the new season. Um, but the big decision that was made around that time, and it wasn't long after that, was that the league would be expunged. As a coach who had a team that was on a, a long unbeaten run, there's a certain implication of that. But for coaches who were at the top of the league, you know, one not too far from here, but also all over the country, in non-league, there was no restart. We didn't come back. That was it. You must have some sympathy for, for the teams who'd not necessarily, there were a couple jersey. I know that they, they had achieved something. A lot of them were close to achieving something. But that's a real kick in the teeth. Yeah. So if we just talk on a really local level, there's this, um, I guess, misconception that Country United down the road, they're the top of the league and how we were um, we were somehow pleased that the season was expunged. We felt as if we had a really big say to play in that final running. We had to play Covey United twice. We had Romulus. We had a, a couple of other teams in with that fight. And we thought that we were going to be the team that could maybe have the biggest say or, or if a team wanted to beat us and beat us comfortably and, and, and get the three points and they were going to go on and possibly win that league. So um, for me... The decision to expunge the leagues, I, I think at the time, I don't think the league had much choice. But then looking back, I think then possibly you haven't rewarded the teams that were um, consistently good over the course of a season, which our neighbours were. I think they were a very good side and I think it gives them a great carrot now to go on and try and be uh, go on better this year and see the season through. So as a club uh, at Sphinx, we've got to raise that challenge and I think it's given us a real incentive as well, taking that 10 game and beating run into the season. Me and John wanted to finish the season as a, on a real high. And we did manage to do that, but not in the way that we wanted it to end. Yeah, so we were flying. There's no reason for us to want to curtail the season. There, there is some rivalry there, but I think the reality of it is that we're all just non-league football people in, in the city. So it's it's a shame to see it end the way it did. And it's a tough thing for the league as well and for you know the, the decision makers that are higher than, than league level because you choose to reward the teams that need to be rewarded, but then you're punishing teams that haven't been relegated. I think when the league's looking hindsight, I think I was in favour of some sort of points per game, but then when I've spoken to people that are um, far more knowledgeable about football than myself, they, they were reluctant to say that that was the best way of solving the, the season, as we've seen in the Premier League and in the Championship. Um, teams pick up points all the way through to the end of the season. Those with the most to play for have got um, a real good shout at the end of the season when they're coming up against those sides at mid-table and possibly down tools for the season. So I don't think there was any easy easy way out. And um, as I said, I think once it, all the dust has settled now and hopefully we're, with a bit of luck, we are moving towards a new season. I think a lot of teams will have that bit between uh, their teeth now to go on and have a really good season. So I think it's going to be a really good one for the local football scene. What I'm keen to do with the podcast is to uh, move beyond this is what happened on Saturday, this is what's going to happen next Saturday. Uh, and give a bit of insight into what it's like being a part of a club like this. So we've got a unique opportunity this summer to have a look at what's not happening. What would you normally be doing as a manager uh, with John at 29th, 30th, 31st of July in a normal season? Uh, so yeah, historically we'd be a week away from our first game. So I think last year we played it August the 3rd or the 4th, um, which was whatever the weekend that fell on. Um, and then the week after that is your, your FA Cup game. So we'd be really primed now for the season to start. And um, we are really close, actually. We're, we're a month away from hopefully the first FA Cup game. But I think up until last week, we weren't sure whether it was going to be the start of September, the start of October, November. We heard all the permutations. And so 
usually now we'd be really primed. Uh, we'd be sat here looking out onto the pitch. It would be fully, the nets would be up, the the markings would be done in, in um, bright white and we'd be really gearing up for the first game of the season next week. Recruitment is a, a big part of this time of year as well. Uh, and I was all geared up when we first thought of doing this, all geared up to say, how's your recruitment going? And it's obviously been very different. But what's pleasing from my point of view as a supporter is a lot of it is some familiar faces. So how how has that been? Has that just been a case of staying in touch with the players that that you know um, and looking to plug any gaps that crop up naturally through a summer? But they're basically all here. Yeah, so um, one of the things that me and John set out to do is to try and um, create that environment where people want to come and play football. And so we're not, um, we're not big ranters and ravers. We are um, assertive, but in, a, in the right way. And I think what we tried to do originally is when um, we first took over is to try and just uh, steady that ship. I think it's um, really important to say that Lee Nibs did a great job. And I think overnight, again, it was sort of thrown on me and John and um, we, we sort of took it on. And as I say, until that t- at the end of the season, um, it was really just about keeping that core of those lads together, trying to build some of that um, those connections between them again, because it had been a tough couple of months. So as we moved on, we had some good results, and I think results breeds positivity, um, and we try and back it up with our actions as well. So the season finished, we kept in, in touch with everyone. We we made a point of contacting everyone roughly about once every fortnight, just to see how people are getting on in their own personal lives. Um, it, I think it's only right that you get to know the players as an individual and then um, that builds trust between uh, the players and the management. And so we tried to do that all along. And as you mentioned, you touched on it, that we've got um, 17 of the core lads re-signed. So um, we've, well, it's a pre-arranged agreement with Josh Steele at Bedworth. He went, um, he, he was superb for us. He was, he was fantastic over that course of those 10, 15 games. And we always knew deep down he was going to go back to Bedworth because he should be flying at that level. Um, so we're really pleased that we could support him in that little bit of uh, his development. And so really, with a bit of luck, we've now got all the lads signed back on. So there isn't anyone else that have moved on. And then we've added to that three um, additional signings. And so we've got now a really strong core of 20 that is supplemented by some really fantastic youth team players who have also signed form. So it's looking really strong. And I mean, the games will tell. We'll see where we are over the next month. And um, but I wouldn't envisage much movement from now to the start of the season. So just to do a bit of housekeeping, the confirmed players, as announced on the website already, are Tom Cross, Patson Two fan, Charlie McConaughey, Lewis Guest, Jamie Draper. Uh, and we have one to add in between these two positions, I think we can say. Should we announce? Yeah, so there's Leon Kay. So obviously Leon's a, a, a vastly experienced central defender. He's played at step three for most of his career. He was, he was with us last year. I think his work got in the way for the start of this pre-season. Um, he's a very busy man with a new baby as well. So he's finally signed on the dotted line, so to speak, as well. Lovely. And then uh, further forward, we've got Loz Rawlings, Liam Kearns, Callum Woodward, obviously. Uh, Lewis Noon, Harvey Billing, Alex Pearson, one of those youth prospects that's coming through and is very much a sort of first-team fixture now. I mean, he's certainly been around the squad and he's played a lot of first-team football by this point as well. Uh, Scott Hammond. And then up front, we have uh, Ashanti Price, my Billy, and... Colin Smith signed again so he was one of the, the ones that just took a little bit of an extra conversation with him but Colin's great and we needed to have those conversations for the right reasons and yeah so he's committed um so that yeah so we've we've full quota nearly it's looking good looking good and we've got plenty of games coming up as well so just uh the key dates as they stand at the moment we've got the FA Cup extra preliminary round beginning on the 1st of September then next rounds on the 12th of September and the 22nd FA Vars is coming up on Saturday the 19th of September then on the 10th of October, and the league programme, we think, slated to start on Saturday, the 5th of September. There's a lot going on, Sean. 
Yeah, and um, I mean, in front of me, I took down as well, there's the FA Youth Cup as well, which which has implications for us because we've got these fantastic second-year youth players who uh, made made great contributions to the team and they're fully part of the first team, but also we want to celebrate that um, the fact that they are still youth players and they've got an opportunity to have a really successful season at youth level as well and um, they've got great opportunities to win things at that level. So we want to try and encourage their part- participation in that. So there's a... If we're fortunate enough to, I think, win a, an FA Cup game, there's a, a weekend where there's a game on the Saturday, which I think is the VARS, the FA Youth Cup on the Monday, and then the FA Cup, if we're fortunate enough to be in it on the Tuesday as well. So my, I started having flashbacks to only playing a few home games last season. I thought in that September, if things go to plan, there won't be many league games going on. So we might have uh, some catch-ups to do in the later months of the year. I did five programs in August last season, so a bit, a bit of a shake up from that would be nice and spread yeah. them out a bit this year, shall we? Yeah, there are games coming up. We've got some friendlies scheduled. Uh, they start this Saturday, so by the time we get this out, we'll, we'll have probably played a game. Um, so we'll have started out with that friendly against Camden Court Old Boys. Then we have Kozel Town at home, Harbour Town away, Hinkley away, Bedford here, Nuneaton Griff here as well. Um, there's a few familiar names in that little lot. So just talk me through the process of putting together a schedule like that. What are the decisions that are made? Who talks to who to arrange those games? What conversations do you and John Wood would have in terms of picking who you want to, to test yourselves against? Yeah, so um, it's a collaborative thing. And I think what ends up happening in pre-seasons is um, your connections to other teams come to the fore. And so uh, we've managed to build a, quite a, a good relationship through John with Cozen and with Bedworth and there. Um, really great, great size, great clubs that we want to try and um, test ourselves against. And we had a, a good pre-season friendly against Bedworth last year at their place. So we, um, we've reciprocated that this year and brought them over to the, to the Sphinx Drive. Um, teams such as Cowan and Old Boys, Jimmy Holmes runs them. So I used to play with Jimmy a long time ago and, um, he's obviously a well-known uh, local football player now taking his, um, steps into management a couple of seasons back. So uh, as a club, we want to, we want to play really good quality friendlies as well as supporting local teams and they always give us a good game and so the first one which is two days away now we're going to use it as a, a barometer of where we are at fitness and use some of the lads that possibly um, have come in and we've had a look at over the summer um, as well as some of those younger lads who are looking to make their first steps into senior football so we're going to have a little bit of an, a mixture of lads playing on Saturday we've then gone over to Harbour Town who are same level as us but over in the UCL go away and play on their 3G pitch and just get a feel of a 3G game so that was one of the main drivers there and test ourselves against a team that we don't play against very often um, we've also gone over to Hinkley as well on the 18th so that's a good test there a new side young bright managers over there as well so it'll be a good test of where we're at and then as you mentioned finishing with Bedworth and Nuneaton Griff at home um, before the season starts we did have a couple more booked in and um, we usually have a yearly uh, fixture against GMP but we decided because of the amount of games that were um, during the, the August that we well we didn't have the luxury of going into September so that had to be cancelled so yeah so it's going to be a busy schedule we've purposely only had six games Sometimes you might have more, but what we wanted to do is to be able to train in around that as well to make sure that we're working with the lads, not only on the pitch, but on the training pitch as well. Are those different fixtures to what you would normally have chosen this time of year? Um, yeah, so I think historically what you, what you try and do is you try and build them up to, you have your marquee friendlies where you play someone who possibly one or two leagues above you to try and test yourself, but also you have a couple of games to ease yourself in. And um, this year we decided not to do that because it is more condensed and we were stop start. And as I said, these friendlies were originally booked into being July and spill over into August now of August and they did spill over into September. So usually you see a stepped approach to it. 
Um, but this year we have mixed them up. And if I'm really honest, it's just been about availability and, and when teams can ha- uh, host us and when we can host teams as well. So do you go out and talk to, to other gaffers about these games? Do it go through club secretaries? probably a bit of both yeah so no we 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 go out and do all the legwork with that and we have the conversations with people you'll be um as most managers will tell you that we have conversations with other managers all of the time and it is a little bit of that whole um cliche football family where you're having conversations with managers and they approach you or we approach them and just say do you fancy a game and um it's got to fit in both of our schedules and if it works for both teams then you just go ahead with it and then it all goes over to Sharon and she does the hard work and, and make sure there's a referee and a, and the, the pitch is available and things like that. Back in, in the league, just to finish off, we've lost the team. Uh, South Northern Town Athletic have slightly gone. It's, it was a long trip, that one, and one we made in vain on uh, on a couple of occasions. And we, we tend to perform r- relatively well there, get some decent results up there. But sad to see them go for its own reasons as well. Did, having a 19-team league, What's the impact of that? Is it is it just a numerical? It, 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 we get more time yeah. in the season. There's probably not that much more to it. I yeah. So I, I did. I thought about this. If then, first of all, South Normanton were a great little club, and the pitch when we went up there last um, last season midweek was superb, and it, it is always a far one, and we always end up going up there midweek. It felt, and and we had, did have the couple of false starts, and so it is sad to see a team like that drop out because I know they had been established for a little, couple of seasons at the level, and so. Um, hopefully it's not a sign of things to come but um, yeah I'm guessing that one team is going to be spare every week I don't know how many internal cup competitions or county cup competitions are going on the the um, information hasn't really filtered down so um, it just makes it that awkward it, you know it, it's not going to look as pretty on every week you know where everyone's played the same amount of games there's always going to be some odd numbers in there so um, yeah, it's just another small thing to, to think about but nothing that's going to get in the way of, of hopefully a really good season There you have it, episode one in the books. We undersold our results at South Normanton slightly there, but their decision to resign their place in the league certainly leaves a hole in the schedule that will be noticed, and it's sad that they felt they needed to take that step. That's all for this week. I'll be back next week with Sean Thomas to get stuck into some actual football. See you then. Thanks for listening to the Commentary Sphinx podcast, a Sphinx football production. For more of our podcasts, visit sphinxfootball.com.